Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. So with this gospel reading today, we come to the end of our Lord's homily made up entirely of parables about the kingdom of heaven. And in today's parables, especially those first two about the finding of the treasure in the field, the pearl merchant who sells everything to get the pearl. With these two parables, our Lord wants to teach us two things. He wants us to to learn, first of all, that there is nothing more important than the kingdom. And second of all, he wants us to learn that it's not free to get in. Now, if we go back to our first reading today, which was about King Solomon and how he was beginning his reign and our Lord, or rather the Lord God, appeared to him in a dream and asked him a very interesting question. He said, ask something of me and I will give it to you. So an offer, rather. And just think about it. Solomon could have asked anything he wanted. This is the Lord God showing up to him in a dream and saying, ask me for something and I will do it. So he could have asked for riches, he could have asked for fame, he could have asked for the life of his enemies, he could have asked for a long life for himself, he could have asked for anything. But he decided to ask instead for wisdom to rule his people well. This is fairly well known that Solomon was considered the wisest man in all the history of Israel. He said, give your servant therefore an understanding heart to judge your people and to distinguish right from wrong. For who is able to govern this vast people of yours? So he's a young king. He was probably 18 years old when this account happened, and he was about to start ruling a nation that his father had been ruling for 40 years. So he had this massive shadow to live up to. And so he knew that he needed help. So he didn't ask anything for himself. He asked instead for that wisdom to rule over the nation wisely so that they might receive justice, so that they might benefit from his wise rulings. He wanted to rule in accordance with the will of God. And so in asking for wisdom, he made God the priority and everything else was secondary. And the request was so pleasing to God that he actually got everything else on top of that as well. We didn't read it in the first reading today, but the account goes on to relate how God was so pleased that he gave him riches, he gave him fame, he gave him power on top of the wisdom which he had actually asked for. It's an Old Testament fulfillment of our Lord's promise in the New Testament which goes, seek first his kingdom and all these things, everything else, will be given to you as well. That's from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, let's imagine that God were to show up to us tonight in our dreams and make that same offer. Ask anything of me and I will do it for you. That's a very profound question. What would we ask for? It's going to reveal a lot about ourselves based upon what we would ask for. And this is a question that comes up in scriptures too, different occasions. You've got, for example, in the Old Testament, Elijah the prophet asking Elisha the prophet, what do you want me to do for you? Elisha asked for a double share of his spirit. 
in the New Testament. Our Lord asks that question as well several times to different apostles or disciples. So one time the disciples of John the Baptist were following him and our Lord turns around and he looks at them and he says, what are you seeking? That's a question for us. You know, what are we seeking? What are we looking for? What would we say if God asked us that question? And then again to the blind man, Bartimaeus, outside the gates of Jericho. The blind man came to Jesus and Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do we want Jesus to do for us? Do we want our Lord to give us a smoking red Porsche? Do we want that winning lottery ticket? Do we want a mansion in Georgetown along with everything that comes along with it? Do we want perhaps to be a celebrity by singing, by acting? Maybe we want to marry a celebrity. Maybe we want to be older. Maybe we want to be younger. Maybe we want more hair. Maybe we want to be famous. Maybe we want to be taller. Maybe we want to be smarter. What is it that we are looking for? Would we ask for one of those things if God showed up tonight? Or would we ask for those other things? Would we ask him for that grace to be holier? Would we ask him for that grace to be merciful? Would we ask him for that grace to love all people regardless? Would we ask him for that grace to be forgiving as he is forgiving? Would we ask him for that grace to be the good Samaritan to everybody we meet? Would we ask him to be rich in what really matters in life? There's an account told about St. Thomas Aquinas. He was a great theologian from the Middle Ages about how towards the end of his life he wrote this, um, this book on the Blessed Sacrament, on the Eucharist. And it's obviously an extremely important topic and it's very delicate and it's a mystery. And so he brought the book to prayer one time and he said he wanted God to confirm that he had written correctly, accurately about the Blessed Sacrament. And the Lord God did appear to him. It wasn't very often, even in the life of St. Thomas Aquinas, that that would happen. And God appeared to him. And he said he had written well. And then he asked Thomas, what would you have me to do for you? What do you want? And Thomas Aquinas responded, non alium nisi te, Domine. I want nothing but you, Lord. By the way, if the Lord God does show up in your dreams tonight, that is the correct answer, so if, just in case. But the question is, you know, would we make that request? Would we say that? We might know, okay, that's what I'm supposed to say, but is that really what we would be asking for? Would we be asking for God above all things? Are we seeking Him more than everything else? And doing that, you know, making God the priority, that's going to be something very challenging. That's the other message from today's gospel. So the first message is that you should be seeking God before everything else. And the other message is, it's not going to be easy to do that. Because if you look at what happened there, they found the treasure, they found the pearl of great price, and then to get their hands on it, they had to sell everything that they had. They had to sell absolutely everything. That means their land, their houses, their clothes, their animals, whatever they possessed was gone for the sake of that one precious object, the treasure, the pearl. St. Jerome said that that pearl stands for Jesus Christ. In the eyes of the world, that might seem a little exaggerated, unreasonable, 
You know, why do I have to give up everything for the sake of this one thing? But for those who know really Jesus Christ and what he is, who he is, what he's worth, it is the most logical thing to do. Nothing can compare to him because without him, like we said in the opening prayer, without God, nothing has value. Nothing is worth anything. Only with God do other things become important, become useful, become sources of joy. Now, in the gospel, again, these people, they went off and they sold everything they had with joy, it says. They were overjoyed. They were excited about this possibility. The problem is that we, you know, if we look at people around us or ourselves even, we might not see ourselves so excited about that prospect of giving up a lot of stuff for God. Like maybe we know we should, maybe in fact we are, but we don't have that joy that we see in the gospel. And I think the important thing here to remember is that these people in the gospel, they were not overjoyed because they said they would give up everything, because they would sell everything if they could, but because they did. Many people, many of us, will probably say, I would do anything for you, God. I'd make any sacrifice. But the question is, how many of us are actually making sacrifices? How many of us are living a life where we give up lesser things for the sake of God? Not would we, but are we? Because dreams, aspirations, ideals, those don't change us. Those aren't going to make us happier. Choices, decisions, sacrifices, those will lead through the cross to the joys, even in this world. And one way in which this happens on a regular basis that comes to mind because um, this week is Natural Family Planning Awareness Week uh, in honor of the anniversary of Humanae Vitae, uh, one example of this would be that couple that decides that they are going to adhere to the teachings of the church, even though it is a huge cross, even though it is extremely difficult, even though it is very challenging to be faithful in this regard, to not use contraceptions in the marital relations. That is challenging. That is a sacrifice. That is a cross. That is selling everything we own. And some people will you know, struggle with that. Many people will struggle with that. They will try and throw the cross off for a bit because they're afraid, because it's, it's hard, because there's more freedom if you don't have that cross, because they have more control, because of fear. But you will never be happier when you turn your back on the commandments of God which come to us through the church than if you were to follow those commandments. We will never be happy apart from God. If we go back to the gospel now, there was one contemporary biblical scholar who said, these two parables we just heard today, they are the favorite of converts because they reflect what, the con what converts often have to go through to come into the church. And I think Mother Seton would agree with that. You know, there's some um, contemporary historians that they look at Mother Seton's life and they say that, okay, supposedly she was persecuted, but in reality, it wasn't that bad. You know, her becoming Catholic didn't have such great consequences after all. They say things such as, she didn't lie about the persecutions, but it was a story. Or again, she needed to feel like a martyr. That's what some historians say about Mother Seton. They say that her, the persecutions she describes, they were a parable of persecution. 
we're not going to go into why that's not the case, but we're going to take Mother Seton at her word, and when she said that she was oppressed and when she, was, when she said she was discriminated against, we're going to assume that was the case. She suffered great opposition when she found that pearl of great price. Her former friends, her parishioners, her pastor thought she was mad. They developed this bitter opposition to her. They tried to remove their children from her school, and she eventually had to leave New York City. But she found the pearl of great price, and she was willing to give up everything in her life, every aspect of her life for it. Now, how can we do that? How can we prioritize God, and how can we make that sacrifice for him? One very concrete way that I think we can do that, to make our faith the most important part of our lives and the sacrifice for it, is to really take more seriously the greatest event in the history of the world. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which is made present in every single Mass. What happens in the Mass, the miracle of the Mass, is a miracle which in a sense is as great as the Incarnation when Christ became man in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In the Mass, Jesus transubstantiates the bread and the wine into his own body and blood, and he invites us to take part in that so that we might become more like him. The person who is hidden in that little host, he is the treasure. He is the pearl of great price. We should be willing to get rid of everything in order to get our hands upon Jesus Christ. And this is something which is not just on Sundays available to us. Yes, it's required usually on Sundays, but during the week, every single day, the sacrifice of the Mass is being offered and we have the pearl at our fingertips. And yes, it would require a great sacrifice to go to Mass on a daily basis. My father, for example, he used to wake up super early in the morning to go to 6 a.m. Mass in the Silicon Valley before he went to, ma before he went to uh, work. And it was challenging, but he did it because he knew what the Mass was. So in today's Mass, as we prepare ourselves to receive that great treasure which God has reserved for us, let us ask him for that grace to be willing to sacrifice everything and anything in our lives in order that we might obtain him who is worth more than the entire universe put together.